And uh, it's great. I mean, my kids are chasing their... Find me a bug, Dad! Find me a bug! And they're running around and they're swatting bugs. And, and it's really cool because if they get stuck in there, then he'll walk in the house, you know? He'll have one stuck and it's just frying it. And he's going, check it out! That smoke's coming up. I'm like, that stinks, dude! Get it out of here! But let me tell you this. I know, I know some of you may get tempted to see what the zap is like. I'm just telling you now, don't do it. I know of a 25-year-old guy, the temptation got him. He stuck his finger in there and it zapped him so hard he cried. I'm, I'm not making that up. So it's, it's a big deal. Now, you'd think, with this one I can understand, you know, uh, uh, an insect comes near you, it doesn't know it's about to get nailed. That's kind of cool. That's, you know, the stealth bug zapper. That's what I like about that. But, you know, this one over here, you plug this sucker in in your backyard. My backyard, I have bugs. I mean, it's like we're the bug capital of the world. And you'd think that after a while, the smarter bugs would sit back and go, no one's ever come back from that blue light before. Maybe I shouldn't follow Aunt Joe and Uncle Sue and, you know, all those. I, I did it backwards, I know. And my best friend, because the, when they went in there, made a big splash. A big noise, but I don't get to hang out with Uncle Joe anymore. You'd think they would do that, but there's something compelling about that blue light that just calls the bugs in there and they just keep going in, they keep getting zapped. Well, what we're talking about this whole series is about lust and how we get zapped by the blue light of lust. And we said, you know, that, that sex within marriage is a good thing. It's like fire in the fireplace. If, you, if you've seen houses that have been burned to the ground, the only thing that's left is the chimney. There's a reason for that. Fire inside the chimney is good. It brings light. It brings warmth. It brings protection. But when you take that fire out, you build a fire right here like I tried to do. Y'all hadn't seen that. I put a heater here one time. And so, you know, Keith's like, something smells funny. And I said, oh, no, it's just, you know, that propane heater. Later, I picked it up and there's a big black hole right there. That, that you build a fire in your, in your living room, that's bad stuff. Bad things can happen whenever you start to uh, put a fire where it doesn't belong. And that's, that, that has cost so many people. So many folks I know have been zapped by the blue light of lust. And it's cost them family. It's cost them careers. In many cases, it's even cost them their faith because they've fallen to the blue light of lust. And as predictable as it is for bugs to fly into that blue light, it is just as predictable for, for people to fly into the blue light of lust and to get zapped. Now, we said last week that ignorance will kill you. Ignorance to your weaknesses. Ignorance to how the enemy, Satan, wants to try to attack your life. And um, today we're, we're going to talk about the same pattern. He has the same pattern of lust. And we're going to look at four stages of lust today to give you an idea of what the enemy does so we can recognize it, so we can have some knowledge about how to take care of that. Lust always has four stages and every stage ends in eyes. Now, we had the big eyeball up there, so we're going we're gonna to change it a little, bit, a little bit. It is misspelled, but uh, I hope you'll remember. The first stage that Satan uses is called tantalize. Tantalize. Something has to get our attention before um, we get hooked. It has to attract us. And we're going to use some uh, kids' videos, which are some of my favorite videos in the world today. This is King George and the Ducky. It's VeggieTales. I want you to watch and I want you to see what King George, what captures his attention. Check this out. 
because I love my duck. I don't know why I even bother. Love my duck. You just can't reason with this guy because I love my duck. It's time to face the facts. I think we're all a little stuck. So let the arms run amok. I fear the kingdom's out of luck because I love my duck. Yes, undoubtedly we're stuck. So let the army run amok. Oh boy, we're really out of luck because I love my Hey, what's that? Give me a quarter. Sheba, but obviously you can't put that in a kid's movie, so they're going to make it about a rubber ducky. Now, was, was it a sin for King George to see the rubber ducky when he first saw it? Is that a sin? No. no, it's not a sin to look at the blue light. It's what you choose to do with it after that that determines whether it is a sin or not. James 1.13 says this, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. I want you to notice James says when, not if, you are tempted. When you are tempted. It's going to happen. And the sin is not in being attracted. Sin occurs when the attraction transitions into an illicit or explicit action, mentally, emotionally, or physically. It's a God-given desire that's gone haywire. Well, now, why in the world would James mention God and tempting in the same sentence? Well, he wants to show you that God is not tethered to temptation, this whole process at all. It does not come from God. And James, I think, understands that we are blaming people, you know, that, that we have this penchant to blame others. It's not my fault. Um, I'm a weak human being. Did you see what she was wearing? It's not my fault. And we blame other people. So James is, is talking about the source of temptation. and He says the source of temptation is never God. Well, if it's not God, then who is it? The source of temptation is Satan. There's an unseen but powerful force in the world that's seeking to destroy people. That's what the Bible says. Now, you may not believe it, but that's what the Bible says. And, and you have to choose your source of truth. And the only source of truth that I know that, that is unchanging is the Bible. How else do you explain some of the stuff that's going on in our world if there's not an unseen force trying to destroy people? How else do you explain that 40 million adults regularly visit Internet porn sites? This one blew my mind. How do you explain that the annual revenue from porn is greater than the annual revenue from Major League Baseball, uh, the bat, uh, NBA, 
and NFL combined. Now, would you say that NFL, baseball, you know, the pros in uh, football, all of that, basketball and baseball, would you say that's a big time business? They don't come close to matching the annual revenue of porn. How do you explain that over half of all marriages end in divorce? And many of those result is because of some adulterous affair, uh, adulterous sexual relationship. How do you explain that there are over three billion dollars come in every year on illegal child porn and over one hundred thousand sites on the Internet? You can get illegal child porn. How do you explain that if uh, there's not some some unseen force out there trying to destroy people? Do you explain it by, you know, low SAT scores? Maybe a damaged chromosome here or there. Maybe your mom painted your nursery the wrong color. Is that how we explain this problem that we're facing? There is a dark, sinister force that wants to destroy you. And his name is Satan. He wants to mess you up. And what we're going to do is we're going to go back to the very beginning and we're going to find out that Satan's method in tempting the very first humans, the method is, ex- is exactly the same as what he does with you. Now, the temptation that he gave them is not the same. We'll talk about why that is in a minute. But his method is always the same. So we're going to go back to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3 and we're going to look at what's going on in this method that he uses. This is as real as the temptation you faced last night, the temptation maybe you're facing right now, the temptations that you're going to face this week. Even though the story is old, the temptations are very real and very up to date. Genesis 3, 1 through 6. Now, the snake was the most cunning animal that the Lord God had made. The snake asked the woman, did God really tell you not to eat fruit from any tree in the garden? We may eat fruit of any tree in the garden, the woman answered, except the tree in the middle of it. God told us not to eat the fruit of that tree or even touch it. If we do, we will die. The snake replied, that's not true. You will not die. God said that because he knows that when you eat it, you will be like God and know what is good and what is bad. The woman saw how beautiful the tree was and how good its fruit would be to eat. And she thought how wonderful it would be to become wise. So she took from some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband and he also ate it. Now, when Satan comes into your life, he doesn't come as a coiled snake ready to bite you. He doesn't come waving a red flag with this big siren going on. He simply slides into your life and he begins to talk to you and he tries to capture your attention. That's the tantalize. If he can't get your attention, then it's not going to get you. So he just slides in. He tries to tantalize you. There's a second stage, though, and it's called plagiarize. Second stage that Satan tries to get you involved in is plagiarism. What does it mean to plagiarize? Copy, it means to take something that is not yours, maybe tweak it a little bit, put your name on it and present it as yours. Um, now, I want you to watch. We're going to show a little bit more of King George and the ducky. And I want you to, uh, to watch and see what it is that Satan plagiarizes. And we'll explain that a little more in just a second. Because I love my duck. It's beautiful. I want it. What? The house? No, the ducky. Oh, but you already have a ducky. What are you saying? That I shouldn't have whatever I want? Well... I must have it, I must get it, you must go and get it for me. If you want me to be happy, then you'll show me you adore me. Don't rest another minute till it's sitting here before me. If you want to do your best, I would suggest you go and bring me back that duck. 
But, sir, if I could just jog your memory, you already have quite a few duckies. Those are yesterday's duckies. Huh? Well, these are all perfectly good duckies. Why, most of your loyal subjects would love to have even one ducky this nice. Now, rubber duckies aren't bad, are they? What's bad is when you try to take a rubber ducky from someone else. Now, Satan gets your attention and he offers you something that isn't his to offer. That's how this plagiarism thing works. Um, Satan doesn't come to Eve and say, you know, I'm here to tempt you. He just wants to have a discussion. And so he wants to talk to her about what God said. No harm in that, right? Let's have a little theological discussion. So he starts out, did God really say that you must not eat fruit from any tree in the garden? Satan is only asking for clarification. He seems to say, I just want to understand the idea that God was trying to get across. Point of order here, point of order. Could you clarify for me? He doesn't tell you his real purpose. His real purpose is to damn your soul to hell. He wants to destroy you. But if he tells you that, you won't go along with him. So what he does is he just slides in and asks for this clarification. And out of this harmless discussion that Satan wants to have with you, you come up with, with good-sounding reasons or reasons that sound good for disobeying God. Well, how does Eve respond to the situation? She says, God told us not to eat the fruit of that tree or even touch it. If we do, we will die. Well, no, God didn't. God didn't say anything about touching it. Some people think that they have to defend God by becoming stricter than God. They know God's rules, but they think somehow maybe they're holier if they go beyond what God has instructed them to do. And in this instance, the tempter, Satan, has already succeeded because he's, he's shifted Eve's focus off of all of the good stuff that she has, all of the good duckies that King George has, and he has focused her attention on the one thing that she cannot have, the one thing that God says is forbidden. And you know, a lot of folks are like that today. Many folks turn their backs on all the blessings, all the good that is in their lives. They throw away all of that stuff for the single sin that they cannot have. They don't see God's goodness. Satan has shifted their focus from all of the good stuff to the one thing that's forbidden. And then when that happens, they become obsessed with this sin and they can't have it. And then all of a sudden they get give in to sin. Satan tantalizes you. He plagiarizes. He says, this thing didn't really come from God. It's for you. Do whatever you want. There are no consequences to the sin. He takes something that isn't his to offer. He offers it to you and he wants you to buy it. There's a third stage. And this is where it gets real interesting. It's called customize. Customize. We love customized stuff, don't we? Customized clothes. Customized cars. Custom houses. Um, temptation is customized. The pattern is always the same, but Satan gets specific here. For King George, his weakness was rubber duckies. That doesn't do much for me. Anybody here tempted by children's bath toys? You're not going to admit. Okay, you are. You love rubber duckies? Oh, wow. Other than joy, anybody here, you know, tempted by children's bath toys? No. Uh, that doesn't do a whole lot for me. Satan knows that and he won't waste his time tempting you on something that you're not interested in. Satan gets my attention and he offers something that he doesn't own. But at this stage, he pimps the temptation just for you. He customizes it for your eyes. I've had my truck for five years. My truck is a 1994, so, you know, do the math. Um, it's old. I love my truck, but 
It doesn't excite me anymore. You know, its rear end is sagging a little bit. Kind of leans to one side. The grill used to be the shiniest grill in the parking lot, but, you know, it could use some cosmetic work. Maybe a whole new grill. And I've been looking around. I see these other trucks. Newer trucks. Shinier trucks. My truck, all the curves are kind of in the wrong places. But these new trucks, their, their curves are perfect. And when they go down the road, oh, if I could just get me one of those, life would be good for a couple of years. I forget to be thankful for what I have. You see, Satan has been deceiving humans for thousands of years. He knows your strengths and he knows your weaknesses. In James 1.14, the Bible says, But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. I want you to circle those words, each one. Talk about customized, each one. And the words carried away and enticed, those are fisherman terms. Caleb and I have been getting into the Bassmasters. We've been watching it. We go fishing a lot. And the more we fish, the more we get into watching these pros on TV. And we saw a guy last week... Um, I think his first name was Preston. I forgot his last name. But he set the all-time record on the total weight of fish in four days. 115 pounds of fish in four days. He won $100,000. We're going, man, this is sweet. But we're talking about how these pros are so good. They study the fish that they're going to be after. They know weather patterns. They know what, uh, what the weather's going to be like before they go out there every day. They study the structure of the lake. They know what kind of lures that the fish are going to be after. They know all of this stuff because if they don't, they are not going to be successful catching fish. And it won't be long before they lose their sponsorship, which is a very sweet deal. And then they won't be on the pro fishing circuit anymore. You're the fish. And Satan wants to catch you. And he studied you and people like you for longer than we've been alive, longer than we've been a nation, longer than we've been people here on this earth. And he knows what he's going to do to try to catch you. Now, at this point, either Eve didn't know God's word well or she chose not to remember, which is a whole lot like us when there's that one sin that we want to pursue. Because when she responds to Satan, we can't touch it or we will die. Satan laughs out loud. Surely you don't believe that, do you? Over a lousy piece of fruit? No way God kills you over some type of fruit. Don't you think that's an exaggeration? Use your brain. Come on. God put all this here for you to enjoy. It's not your fault you have these urges. It looks good. Take it and eat it. God's just holding something back from you. And for thousands of years, Satan's used the same strategy. What do you think about the warnings against disobedience that fills the pages of Scripture? Did God really say, don't get drunk, don't divorce, don't have sex outside marriage, don't gossip, don't show favoritism? Did God really say, give some of your money to the church and gather with other people for worship on a regular basis? Did he say that? How often I've heard theological discussions on why somebody doesn't go to church. How we've rationalized sex, gossip, divorce, drinking. Don't you see, Satan has engaged us in a theological discussion and out of that discussion, people find good reasons or reasons that sound good for disobeying God. Does God really mean it when he tells us that sin brings punishment? God is serious about sin because he's serious about you and he knows that sin will destroy you. Satan says, you will not die. God said that because he knows that when you eat it, you will be like God and know what is good and what is bad. God wants to ruin your fun, Satan says. God's, and he says that God is jealous because he wants to hold you back from your full potential. 
your destiny. Eve saw something that looked good to her and she began to doubt God's goodness. How could a good God deny me these pleasures? It's only a piece of fruit. And then Satan says, come on, Eve, take it. You can be like God. He customized it for her. He got her right there. You can be in control. No one telling you what to do. You're in charge of your own life. And Eve's mind began to doubt God's goodness because she listened to Satan's lies. And it was at that moment that she chose to sin. And I want you to notice that once Satan got Eve's mind, he left her alone. He planted that seed and left her alone because he knew it was only a matter of time until she gave in and she sinned. When you take God out of your thoughts and you allow temptation in, when you question God's word and his goodness, then your senses take over and the sinful urge becomes almost unbearable. And it happens to us all the time. Satan tantalized her. He plagiarized something good from God. Then he customized the temptation. But there's one fourth stage. And Satan never tells you about this stage. That's why I want you to be aware of it. Stage four is he vandalizes. Vandalize. We've all seen vandalism, haven't we? Do you like it? I mean, sometimes Caleb will go, man, they're really good artists. But what if it was on your car or your house? Would you care how good an artist they are? Vandalism happens to us. Satan vandalizes your life when you sin. What he wants to do is he wants to catch you. He wants to lure you out of your safe zone, trap you. And just like a trophy bass, he wants to mount you on the wall for all to see. It's a public spectacle. It's true that when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, they were able to see, but it wasn't the good that they saw. When they saw each other for the first time, they realized that they were naked and the Bible says they were ashamed. So they, they uh, sewed together fig leaves to cover, cover their nakedness. They hid from one another and then, most importantly, they went and they hid from God. Sin isolates you from God and from other people. And God is the very one that can heal you from your sin. Adam and Eve looked at the fruit and they desired it. And they ate it and I have no doubt that it tasted good. Satan's not going to attempt not going to tempt you to do something that's not fun. Sin is fun or it wouldn't be tempting. The kicks of sin are great. It's the kickbacks that'll kill you. And that's what Satan never tells you about. You know, every time God gives you a no, it's for two positive reasons. It's to protect you and to provide for you. When God tells you no, he wants to protect you from guilt, from shame, from losing your family, from maybe losing your job, from losing your faith, from sexually transmitted diseases. And God wants to provide for you this wonderful atmosphere where you can have a family and there can be safety and security. Do you think that my wife hates it that I didn't have sex before we were married? No, that's a comfort to her. And it was a comfort to me that my wife was not experienced sexually before we got married. God protected us in that area and provided something wonderful for us. Every time God tells you no, it's for positive reasons. And every time that God uses somebody greatly in the kingdom of God, every time, it was somebody who walked in purity. Not perfection. We're incapable of that. But someone who walked in purity. John 10.10 says, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. That's Satan's job description. He wants to take your life and mess it up. When he comes, he never shows us the obvious chains that will enslave us. He doesn't offer you a contract to sign that says, I reject God and his son, Jesus Christ. 
We're too smart for that, so he's too smart for that. Instead, he offers us pleasure, money, popularity, freedom, independence, joy. He promises to fulfill all the desires of our hearts. And he, he suggests that God is too narrow-minded. And, and what do we do? We fall for it. You know, in a 747 jet, the runway at the airport looks pretty narrow. Um, a pilot who insists on landing there may be considered narrow-minded. But a runway is the only safe place for a jet to land. Say, for example, that a well-meaning but uninformed passenger suggests that circling around the city, waiting for the airport to clear, is not the best idea. Why don't we go land over there on I-45? I mean, after all, it's more convenient. We don't have to wait around for hours for the traffic to clear, for the weather to clear. The pilot who resists this crazy idea of this uninformed passenger who wants to land on I-45 will be considered a hero if he lands that jet on the narrow-minded runway. You see, when God warns us about sin, He's not being narrow-minded. The pilot's not being narrow-minded for protecting the lives of everybody on his plane, including the one who wanted to land on I-45, who didn't believe they should wait. God's not being narrow-minded. He's not limiting our options. He's protecting us from a crash. Well, let's finish this up with how do we walk in purity? All right, you know the four stages. I've seen these four stages. Satan's been attacking me this week. And I've recognized them as they've come along. And these are tools that you can use. How can you walk in purity? You've got to realize a couple of things. Realize three things. How do you keep from being zapped? First thing, you've got to realize what we're celebrating today, and that's that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, and the grave is no longer filled. It is empty. It's the only religion where the founder of that religion is not in a grave. You study them. I've studied world religions. Every other one of them, when you go to the grave, the grave is full of dead men's bones of the founder. But Jesus Christ is the one who raised from the dead. And so I ask people, you know, if you want to follow a dead guy, that's one thing. But for me and my house, if we're going to try to figure out what happens on the other side of death, we're going to follow the one who died and came back from the grave never to die again. I figure he knows what he's talking about. I figure he has power that the other guys don't because they would have come back if they could have. So you realize that Christ died for you and there's a power. The Bible says the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available to you to handle your problems. Problem is we don't ask. So you realize that Christ died for you. Second thing you need to realize are the blessings in your life. What Satan does is he causes you to focus over here. King George had tons of duckies. King David in the Old Testament had tons of wives. He walked around on the roof and he saw Bathsheba bathing and he desired her. And he violated God's commands. He violated the marriage bed. He had her husband killed. She got pregnant. That child eventually died because God pronounced judgment on them. It took about a year before David admitted, I'm a sinner. And God said, well, yeah, you're a sinner. I forgive you. But because of your sin, the sword will never leave your house. David's own son later tries to kill him. God's fulfillment. There are consequences. Don't look at what you don't have. Focus on the blessings that you do have. Something comes across your eyes, guys. 
look at your wife. If you have a wife, look at your wife and begin to be captivated by her beauty. That's what that's what Proverbs tells us. That's what Song of Solomon is all about. If I'm thankful for my wife, if I look at her and I desire her and I don't spend time looking at other women, then God blesses my marriage. Look at what you do have. Third thing is you've got to realize that God will never allow you to face more than you can handle. My truck is a half-ton truck. There are three-quarter-ton trucks. There are one-ton trucks. That refers to the load they can handle. I would be stupid to put more on my truck than it can handle. I've pushed the limit. <laughs> I've seen those tires sagging where I thought the rear end was going to drag the ground. I'm like, oh my, maybe I shouldn't put that much on there. God, your designer, knows how much you can handle. And I want you to see the promise from Scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. Your sin and my sin is what put Jesus on the cross. But because He was perfect, God raised Him from the dead. And He now says, anybody who will come to God through Christ who'll say, God, I need you to be the forgiver of my sin and the leader of my life. You get adopted into God's family. And that's great for heaven, but God also offers you power for right now. He wants you to have um, a joy-filled life right now. And the problem is we don't ask for it. Second thing we need to do. First, we need to realize all of those things. Second thing is mobilize. Mobilize. Billy Graham said, it's not the first look that's sin, it's the second look. I remember hearing that when I was a teenager. So when I went off to college, you know, my eyes were like heat-seeking missiles. And rather than a second look, I'd be looking for some voluptuous babe to walk by, and I was like, I can't look away, I can't look away, it'd be sin, it'd be sin, it'd be sin. So I lock on, and I'm just, all of a sudden, I'm going, finally, you know, I realize what, y'all are laughing. You guys are laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about, but we won't go there. We won't go there. But we didn't look away. And you begin to desire things. You begin to fantasize. Let me ask you a question, guys. And, and ladies do this too. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have a whole lot of fun. Next week, we're going to talk about um, the purity of, of children and how we can pass on a legacy, uh, legacy of purity. And uh, after that, we're going to talk about men and women and how they're different. And uh, did you tell him about that? Okay. I was making sure Jason knew what his wife volunteered him to do. Jason and Danae are going to come up here and I'm going to interview them in a couple of weeks. Oh, my soul. We were just talking about some stuff the other day and, and it's going to be fun. Um, so hang on there. We're going to talk about women, too, and, and all that. It's not just the guys. But uh, anyway, we're going to have fun with that. But guys, we tend to look and we begin to fantasize and God says, no, you, you shouldn't do that. Does anybody make you look no. Okay. Does anybody make you look? No. You don't believe it. Does anybody make you look? No. All right. Well, y'all are pretty sorry. Um, we got to keep practicing this because some of y'all still think somebody makes you look. But but we'll maybe that'll be the last series in the sermon is you don't have to look. Um, you make a choice to look. You make a choice to look, and you have to choose. Instead, we've got to train our eyes to bounce. And I'm reading this book called Every Man's Battle. If you want to know a, a book about sexual purity, the best one I've ever seen is, is Every Man's Battle. And, and you ought to get that, guys, if you, if you struggle at all. Ladies, if you want to understand what your guy goes through, you may not want to understand what your guy goes through. 
quite honestly. In this book, it's kind of cool because at the end of every section, the wives of the men who wrote it respond. It's, it's kind of wild. I was reading some of that to Janie the other day. Um, great book. But guys, if you want to walk in purity, they talk about how to make your eyes bounce. Where you see something and this alarm goes off in your head. Ooga, ooga, dive, dive, dive. You know, you're going, ah, look away, look away. Because if you can train your eyes to do that, we train our eyes to do that type of stuff in other situations. You see something gross and you have a weak stomach, you don't gaze at it. I mean, that's dumb. You can choose what you want to look at. So, guys, ladies, if this is a problem for you, you've got to train your eyes to bounce. It can be done. But what you've got to do is then bounce back to what you already have. My wife is beautiful. I tell her all the time she's beautiful. And I've got to train my eyes to bounce away from something I do not have to right there the beautiful woman that I do have. And I, I remember my brother was, was the pastor who did our wedding and we did premarital counseling with him and, and one of the sessions was she went in by herself and I went in by myself. And when I went in, I went in after her and he goes, dude, I bet you just fell into those blue eyes and never came out. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She still makes me goofy. Guys, if we'll learn to look at what we do have, God will honor that. Maybe you need to be like Job in Job 31.1. I've made a solemn promise never to look at a woman lust with lust at a woman. Do you really want the best for your life? Then here's the, here's the phrase. Take this with you. Starve what you want to kill. Feed what you want to build. We'll talk more about this in the next couple of weeks. Starve what you want to kill. Feed what you want to build. Do not give Satan images that he paints in your mind that come up at inopportune times. We said last week there's two painters in your mind. One is Satan who will take all those images and he'll paint them there and try to bring those back all the time. The other one is the Holy Spirit. And whichever one wins in your mind are the ones that you are feeding. Starve what you want to kill. Don't put that stuff in there. Several weeks ago, there was, a, there was a free HBO weekend and got my little DVR and I was, I was taping all of these movies. And I haven't seen R-rated movies because that's a, that's a big deal with us, especially with children. And so the only movies that I see are, generally are on TV. So they've taken out, you know, most of the cussing, most of the stuff. And so I was, I was going through some of these yesterday because my kids weren't around. I thought, okay, I'll watch some movies. I turned on two different movies. And I had to delete them because it was so filthy. It was like porn to me. And it was an R-rated movie. And finally I told Janie, I said, I can't watch this stuff. It's bad stuff. Guys, if you really want to be pure, maybe you need to get rid of some of the movie channels. Internet is, is a bad thing for temptation. I love the Internet. I love researching I love going to ESPN.com. You know, that's one of my stops every day. I love the Internet. But you may have to put some software on your machine that protects you. I told you last week that, that I have some software. It's called X3. It's from X Church, which is a bunch of guys trying to reach out to those hooked by porn and trying to bring them to Christ. Free software. And it takes a report every two weeks. It reports to Alex everything I've been to, every site I've been to. He sends his to me. There may be some other software that you have to use, though, that's professional software. 
And you can put it on and nobody knows it's there. And it takes a picture of every site they've been to. And it takes a picture of every email. The purpose of doing this, I mean, this is actually, businesses use this. Some friends of mine have had to use it because their children are, are hooked by pornography. And that's the only way they can keep them accountable. Is knowing they can't disable it. They can't even figure out what's going on because the person who installs it has the password. And it's not hidden anywhere. This stuff was written so that you can't break the code. And now their son knows every time he gets on the Internet, there's going to be a picture taken of every website that he's gone to. My best friend, he doesn't even have the, uh, the code to get in. He doesn't know the password. Only his wife does, so she holds him accountable and their two sons accountable. This is serious stuff. If you want to walk in purity and you want to be used by God, maybe you need to take some, some steps there. Starve what you want to kill and feed what you want to build. Now, if you really want to take this command, literally this, you know, this, this whole idea of, of I'm not going to look lustfully at someone of the opposite sex. What you need to do is begin to praise God for what you have. Satan hates it when you praise God. He will flee from your presence when you begin to praise because he can't stand it. When you begin to say, thank you, God, for this woman that you put in my life. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in my life. But I'm warning you, he'll come back. He'll wait for an opportune time when you're hungry, angry, lonely or tired. That's what they teach you in rehab, that that's when Satan's going to hit you. Just remember, realize, remember, mobilize, and you can defeat him over and over again. I want you to take your registration cards. and We're going to finish up with this. Fill out your registration cards and then you have a blank piece of paper there. Last week, we did a survey. Last week, we did a survey on on how content you are with your relationships with the opposite sex. And I think it was 6.75. Wasn't that what guys added it up back there at the back? Scale of one to ten. Ten was can't be any better. Zero. We actually had some zeros. We had some ones. We had some tens. We had a couple that said, I don't deal with the opposite sex. So we, you know, didn't know where that was. We just put that out. That, that kind of messed up the average. About 6.75 is actually better than I thought it was going to be. The contentment that married couples have that people have with the opposite sex. This week, I want you, I just want to get your opinion on something. On your piece of paper, scale of 1 to 10, how pure do you think teenagers in our society are? Just, just asking your opinion. We'll add it up and, and I'll report that to you next week. There's a, there's a bucket on, at the, below, below each end seat on this row. If you'd pick up that bucket and just pass the bucket down. One is worse. Ten is, is we are as pure as the driven snow in the United States. Just pass that bucket down. We'll set them down here at the end. When you get to the end, pass them over to these rows over here. I bet we don't get a 6.75 this week. Now, last thing on your registration card, turn it.